Thanks for tuning in, guys. You're listening to Ace Comicals. I'm Greg Driver. I'm joined by Rahul Johnny and Leon Everett. Let's go! Welcome to episode 45 of Ace Comicals and the incredible backlog of comics because of life. And uh, yeah, and and obviously, you know, we've had a week off talking about comics because the last episode we put out, we talked about our experience at Thought Bubble. So this is everything that we've read in the four weeks since we've spoken about a comic on this podcast or everything I've read in the four weeks since I've spoken about comics on this podcast. I don't know about Ray. Ray's my only co-host today. Say hi, Ray. Hey, dude. How you doing? Hello. Yeah. So, yeah, this is basically everything that I've been busting to talk about since before we went to Thought Bubble. (laughs) And That must uh, be a lot. That's that's like a month to catch up on. Yeah, yeah. I've picked one comic from each week. Okay, that's yeah. that's a very good tactic. I, yeah, yeah I, I appreciate so that. <laughs> I've gone one for each week because I've still got piles of stuff, and like, yeah, it's just it's, it's like a never ending, never ending backlog. But it's it's great. I like having a backlog of comics. It gives me something to escape into. It's amazing. It's like it's the same, the same reason I like having things to watch on Netflix. But the problem is that is it's like you have things to watch on Netflix and you binge it all at once, and then you've got nothing to watch for months. I don't know if yeah, you I find that. that. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I I'm I think I absorb TV differently to you because I think I await one specific thing. I'm not like binging constant television because I can't do that. Like I don't like sitting and watching TV that much anyway. But with um, with the comics, I've basically. Um, today I want to be talking about a comic that I picked up at Thought Bubble, so I'll be talking about that, and then a graphic novel that I'd been meaning to read for ages, which is something that is now on Netflix, so I'll talk about that in a bit, and then I promised myself I wouldn't, or I'd try and stop reading like issue number ones of stuff, but I broke that promise, and I'm going to be talking about an issue number one of an image comic, oh. so that's 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 what I've got on the slate, but you'll find that out as it comes. Why would you ever promise yourself that you'd stop reading issue number ones of stuff, man? Because that's just like completely... Because I feel like I want to get to the end of a run. I want to read them <laughs> as trades, which is something that Leon expresses a lot, Yeah, and yeah. I get I get why, Um, but again, I'm also very attracted to like the um like the popcorn chicken nuggets style of like dipping in and getting 30 pages of a thing and yeah i don't know i i'm not very good at um abstaining from reading like the one-offs and then being caught up in this i have to read this thing that's going to catch me for six to 12 months in a row but yeah (laughs) i know i like i like reading it monthly because it gives me something to look forward to i guess um Mm. i like being drip fed but at the same time, I can see the attraction of reading it in TPBs because that's what I used to do for a long time. And it's what I still do with some stuff. I still do that with Saga, which I picked up the latest one recently and I've not read that yet. But um, Ooh, yeah, is that the one that has issue number 54 in it? Because I don't read the trades for Saga. That's um, one I definitely read month to month when it comes out. I'm not sure because I've not looked at what it runs up to yet. But I the one that I had before this one was yellow and it had a zebra on the front. Uh, mm, yeah, I think I think that is going to be the end of the current arc. Yeah, before it, the one year hiatus. So yeah, yeah, we'll be because we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. Um, they tend to do that. They do like a, a. They publish an arc after an arc ends because I I find that when we discuss it, I'm usually only an issue behind you or something anyway. By the time right, I finish right. the trade, so. But um, 
Yeah, so, I mean, what have I been doing since we last talked on, about anything on this podcast? Uh, I've been making my way through my incredible backlog of comics. Um, it has been, well, spooky season has started because we are now in October. <laughs> and I've been getting into the into the spirit of things, so to speak. <laughs> um, by, you know, like, re-watching things like Stranger Things and stuff and just generally getting into getting in, getting myself ready for spooky season deciding what i'm going to carve into the face of a pumpkin this year that kind of stuff um <laughs> and yeah uh, for for happy gregmas at the end of this month right yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, i love I, how much you love halloween man it's so I, cool. I just i just love halloween i just love i don't, I don't know i don't know like where this even st- in fact i i can trace it back actually i know exactly where this started this started when i was a kid and loved ghostbusters but it's just it's mm. just a thing that i've just always enjoyed this time of year in general like i just like autumn and i like spooky stuff i like halloween i like supernatural stuff i like horror so it's, it kind of all goes hand in hand really and you've been um have you been doing anything like Inktober this month? Yeah, I've been doing some stuff for Inktober. I've been, I've been like, I, I'm not an artist. Let's let's just let's just open with that. I am not an artist. That is the statement. But I've been doing like I, I always try. And I mean, I I like to draw. I like to doodle and stuff. So I I like to do stuff for Inktober um, because it it gives me an excuse to draw spooky stuff. And uh, I've been drawing that and uploading some of that stuff to Instagram and Twitter and things. Um, so if you want to have a look at it, you can. But um, don't well, get I've, hopes I've, too high. <laughs> I've caught a couple of things and I want to challenge you on your statement that you're not an artist. Because if you're not an artist, then you're also a fucking idiot. <laughs> the, the stuff that you're drawing and putting up on Instagram, like the couple of uh, the reason I ask if you're doing Inktober is because I've seen a few of the things you put up, but I haven't seen the daily consistency. Is that what yeah, you're doing? It like is. One every it, day. Yeah, I've been doing one every day. I'm doing Inktober and I'm using the prompts this year. Yeah. So, so of the well, ones I've seen, anyway. yeah, uh, the ones I've seen are really good, Greg. You shouldn't discount yourself. Yeah, but then I'd there's say like that's... awful ones as well. So. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, if you compare it to anything that I would be able to put on paper, I think it's artistic as hell. So, um, I, I mean, I implore everybody who's listening to this to go check out his stuff on Instagram. Uh, what's your Insta handle, Greg? It's just Bato. Same as your Twitter, right? Bato. Tri- yeah, I think um, I'll tell you for sure because I think I might have the triple zero on the end of it. Which, uh, sorry, guys. Yeah, this is making great radio. Me looking for my Instagram on my phone. Sorry, this is my fault because I've I've taken you off script a little. It's it's uh, Bato, like my Twitter, and then triple zero. So just Bato triple zero 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 zero. Um, and you'll be able to see some of there's last year's Inktober's on there as well. But yeah, you're able to look see at this stuff. I I've just loaded up drawings. look at this stuff. Maryland chicken box like with <laughs> decrepit chicken bones. That's amazing. It's amazing. I would never be able to do that. I think, zombie I think zombie it's... Maryland chicken. Well, the it's word fantastic. the word for the day was chicken, and I'm from Leicester. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> I think that's great. <laughs> yeah, Maryland chicken—it's a Leicester thing, and Nottingham. Oh, Apparently, they oh, have no. Maryland in Nottingham as well. I don't know, but what's this? Is this from last year with like a spider coming out of a Starbucks cup? Yeah, 
awful, awful. I love it. It's great. It's that disgusting. was that was mm. me. Uh, I mean, I like pumpkin spice lattes. I'm gonna admit it. I do, but that was me being like, "Have that pumpkin spice latte," you know, like try drinking one after <laughs> looking at this. <laughs> That's that's mean. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I did that or why I just I just had one on me that morning. I was just like, I'm going to draw a spider in a Starbucks cup. I'm going to draw a spider in a Starbucks cup, and then I drew a spider in a Starbucks cup. I've noticed a running theme of like taking something comfortable and making it disgusting. Yeah, so, com- comfortable chicken and chips, and then making it all gross and decrepit. And well, it's not. It's, I don't. I've done that a couple of times, but it's yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it, it. I really like it. There's one I've done, like a drawing I did ages ago of an ice cream with stuff crawling out of it. But yeah, it's just it's just making taking things that are, I quite I quite like doing that, like taking something normal and turning it into something weird. Yeah, and like perverting it in a way, or like um, I keep using the word decrepit, like you know, th- like because we're going to talk about Stranger Things later yeah. on in this episode. Yeah, yeah. It's upside that down, thing it, where yeah, yeah upside down in it. <laughs> It's a cool aesthetic. I really like it. Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks, man. I mean, I don't consider myself an artist at all because I've seen artists. I, I look at stuff that artists do every month when I pick up comics. So I know what I art think looks you're like. Bonkers. <laughs> I think your dictionary definition of the word artist is skewed. I think, I think you fully fall into it in my books. But anyway, yeah. Well, yeah, so I am doing Inktober. But um, I've been... Yeah, so so back to back to the earlier point about TV and binging TV... Mm. I've watched all of Maniac, which is this new limited series that kind of popped up on Netflix. Um, And like, I saw the trailers for it like a month or so ago. And I was like, that's Emma Stone. And that's, and and that's like, she's doing a Netflix limited series, like a TV show, like 10 episodes. What the hell is this? It's Emma Stone and Jonah Hill, right? Yeah, Emma Stone and Jonah Hill. Yeah. And it's, it's like, but it's like seeing movie stars like that doing tv type stuff which kind of catches me off guard because i mean i'm i can't i put i mean leon's probably got his head in his hands right now if he's listening to us but uh, <laughs> this is mr encyclopedia for tv and movie yeah, yeah th- i mean like obviously this is probably not the first time something like this has happened where someone of that level has appeared in something that i would consider like because it's not a movie it's not a feature film hmm. it's a tv but it's it's still like technically as good and as it could easily be a feature film it's just been split up into chunks if you get me right and it'd be a long feature film but yeah it'd be great well i Um, I gather it's it's made by um like carrie fukunaga and patrick somerville um so i think fukunaga is it was involved in the recent it movie uh, as a writer i think and like known for True Detective and a couple of these like really yeah. high quality TV shows. And Patrick Somerville is somebody who I know uh, was a writer for one of my favorite TV shows, The Leftovers. Yeah. Um, so Maniac is something that's been on my radar. I just haven't had time to yeah. catch up to it. So do you want to, have you got a, can okay. you a brief idea of what um, it's about? You heard of the musical style Vaporwave, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Imagine if Vaporwave was a TV show. <laughs> i said try and sell it to me greg <laughs> no that sounds that sounds pretty cool yeah it, but in it, what way what does that what does that mean like what well, what like, aesthetic are you getting from that okay so at first it appears to be in the future 
but it's a future where we're still using technology from 1989 with today's sensibilities maybe i don't know um that everything explains the vaporwave thing. Yeah. yeah, everything everything seems to be kind of entrenched in this um, late eighties, early nineties tech style tech, and and like this kind of late eighties, early nineties style aesthetic thing that it has going on. Except it's not; it's the future, and people still use landlines. There's no cell phones or anything in this show and it's just it's like a a kind of like a weird hard to place it on a timeline but everything's got that kind of synthy type thing going for it like that i don't know it kind of sounds like have you seen it follows right it it feels like you're describing that film to a t where it's got like a like a disaster piece sort of synthy soundtrack and like a displaced out of time retro futurism yeah. vibe to it yeah but it doesn't it doesn't have I, I don't know about synth soundtrack but it's okay. it's got that kind of cool aesthetic about it where it's like the future but not the future type thing okay. um leon is listening to us right now as i completely butcher me my tr- trying to describe a tv show or something like and leon's like what the hell is this what is this guy doing i think you don't find me let, let it be known greg doesn't <laughs> greg doesn't talk critically about tv i'm a comics guy all right but Hang um, on a second. <laughs> I, we, we mentioned emma stone and jonah hill but it's got yeah. justin through in it sold yeah in, it's down yeah this is what i mean like all these like it's it's a strange age isn't it that we're in right now where you're getting where, where tv quality and film quality like it used to there used to be a time where film and tv were very disparate hmm. and you could tell the difference and and the quality and the amount of money in each one but now we're we're in a place where the the well, lines are completely blurred if you understand what i'm trying to say yeah yeah like we're in the yeah. we're in the middle of the golden age of the tv yeah. renaissance i think yeah, exactly yeah um, and these streaming services like Netflix and whatever have completely revived it. I mean, it's TV, but it's in a different way. It's not like when you used to sit down and just watch whatever was on BBC One or whatever, you know. But like uh, uh, this, it's really, really good. And yeah, if if Vaporwave and Synthwave had a kid with a sci-fi image comic, <laughs> this is the best way that I can describe this. Um. And it's got that, it it would work really well published as an image comic and this whole drug trial thing, it's like a complete trip. Okay. I loved watching it from like start to finish. It was great. This this kind of like um, sci-fi exploration of the mind and consciousness and how we all deal with trauma and that kind of stuff and, and what, you know, psychoactive substances and all that kind of stuff and... Yeah, it is really, really good, and I'd recommend it to you, Ray, and hopefully you'll watch it so that you can articulate better about it than I am able to. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm going to watch it after we're done recording, to be honest. It's been on my list for a while. And the fact that you say something like, um, what did you just say, Uh, how how you cope with trauma. Yeah. Like, that being one of the themes, that doesn't surprise me based on the fact that, like, writers from the leftovers are in it. Um, To your point about it looking like it, or it being suitable for an image comic... The poster that I've seen where it's like a collection of squares which are screenshots of the main characters' faces, like superimposed mm. over TV screens. All of them have like different coloured filters over them. That feels like a very image cover. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. hyper, the hyper colorized, hyper technical sort of Xerust thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm digging it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. catch up on this. If anyone's listening, a comic adaption would be really good. I'd love <laughs> that. Yeah, but it, it's no, it's um, it's really good, and I completely recommend it. And I finished it this weekend. I watched like the whole thing. Because I, I was, I started a Stranger Things marathon, as I called it, on Friday. I was like, I'm going to do a Stranger Things marathon. So I started it, and I got a few episodes into season one, and I thought, I'm going to watch Maniac now. So I watched some of Maniac, and then I went back to Stranger Things, and then I watched <laughs> the rest of Maniac, then I went back to Stranger Things. And that's what I've been doing, like, jumping between the two. So okay. what started as a Stranger Things marathon has just become me just sitting in front of the TV, eating ginger nut biscuits <laughs> and Belgian, <laughs> Belgian chocolate chunk shortbread cookies from Sainsbury's that's a decadent weekend Greg (laughs) ginger nut damn yeah man ginger nut biscuits I just consumed a whole packet of them (laughs) for no reason in one go like unhooked your jaw and just dropped them in like one by one right like a Pez dispenser type thing yeah no um, the other way around yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) no I've been um uh, also while reading comics so like i've just like i smashed this entire packet of ginger nuts like because i was just sitting there in one place like i read comics i watched tv i um ate other cookies that i bought last night from sainsbury's and it's just been that's what it's been basically this weekend comics tv and yeah and <laughs> and maniac because maniac's brilliant so yeah I, I, I definitely recommend it they they f- like they f- go through so many different genres in like because certain episodes they take on like a different aesthetic each time and it's weird and it's great okay yeah cool it's great how it works um anyway i guess we should start talking about comics now can do go ahead yeah so um in the time since we have last spoken about comics on this podcast uh we've had a couple of things that i wanted to bring up we've had the ending of scales and scoundrels which was bittersweet because Hmm. it's a really good final issue and it ends on a really nice note and it gave me the warm fuzzies when I read it <laughs> and it's just absolutely, absolutely brilliant. I'm so, so sad to see this thing go into, I don't want to, I don't want to call it, I'll, I'll call it hibernation because I have a feeling that one day it will return and the creators are hopeful that one day it will return. But um, at the moment, this is the end and yeah, it, it's left a hole. There's a hole every month now where that used to be because it is a great comic and it was a great, well, it, one of my favourites, hmm. something that I used to look forward to. So, yeah, one of my favourite things in comics was that, Scales and Scoundrels. Um, and also we've had the beginning of the DC Black Label in Batman Damned and the first one was published and it's like this big magazine format thing and it's like... You, it's, there's a little bit more money gone into the production than in a usual comic and it's got like this whole kind of like um like i think they're trying to set it apart in more than just its content uh it's you know it's like oh you know this is like a more adult thing type thing it's got like this kind of like really nice cover on it and everything else and this nice magazine presentation these larger pages that are really good for the artwork um my thoughts of on that are already on twitter and have been since since it came out i think um because i uh i went and did like a mini twitter essay thing on it 
um, but it's basically mm. my uh, the main thing to take away from it that I took away from it was um, with this imprint being designed to allow out of continuity stories to be told using established DC characters and whatever without any kind of like strings um, and with it being aimed at mature readers I feel like with this being the first book it's like as good as it is, I think it's some. It's like trying to live up to that that mantle, that crown, if you get me. Mm. And it's trying a little bit too hard, maybe. I don't know. Like it, it, sometimes it's like it does things. It felt like certain parts of the book, it was doing things just to be um hard edged and whatever. Like, like because it could, if you understand what I'm right. getting at, yeah. As I mean, opposed it, to like a consistent theme that they were trying to live up to, they were just yeah. It's like it, like it was being, it was going for the extreme because it was allowed to go for the extreme, right? As opposed to having something to say about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, okay. I guess is what I felt from it. I mean, I mean, it wasn't a bad comic by any means. It was great, and um, we got Batman naked, fully <laughs> naked, full frontal. <laughs> That's which, what it takes. <laughs> which for a while is is pretty much like Twitter was alive with pictures of Batman's dong, but uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but no, it was it was a great book, and it it, it um, yeah, I just feel like it had a bit of a I don't know, like like it was trying a bit hard. I don't know, but we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I mean, I I enjoyed it nonetheless. But yeah, so that was Batman Damned. Um, and, um, yeah, that's, that's been my four weeks besides the convention. <laughs> um, and, uh, we've got a list of comics to talk about today that we've actually read for the purpose of review. So we should move on to those now. So I will open that up with my first one, which was one that I got this week, which is Marvel's, Marvel's brought back the, uh, the what if so what Marvel, um, way back when Marvel were publishing uh, What If comics, which basically took an established story point and turned it the other way. So what if X happened instead of Y? How would everything have played out? How different would it have been, etc.? Like mm. with this one, I guess I can just use the title, just use this one to describe it. Because if I tell you that this one is uh what if spider-man number one and it's what if flash thompson became spider-man instead of peter parker okay so it that you you get the idea of what this what these what if comics were kind of thing like exploring alternate realities of what could have happened in comics if if certain events had gone the other way like one event like one turning point um and we've actually had a what if flash thompson story before because in What If Number 7, published way back when, Flash Thompson, they did, they already kind of did a, a, a What If Flash Thompson in What If Number 7. And this is kind of like an homage to that, but also goes in a different direction. Like it ends in a completely different way. So it's a nod to a previous What If classic, which is What If Number 7, which also explores what would happen if Sutherland became Spider-Man. It plays out completely differently. And all I'll say about the way this plays out is not everyone is cut out to be a hero and it's not just the powers, which I think is the point the story was getting at. It's not just having the great power that makes you the hero. It's learning that with that great power comes great responsibility, I guess. (laughs) Uh, 
Yeah, it's having a f- that resolve. That's yeah, what makes yeah. Peter Spider-Man. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And it's not just that. It's everything else that is it is Peter versus everything that is Flash Thompson. Hmm. So it's a fun read. Um, and I love this alternate reality stuff. Like I like getting it explored. And having it in a one-shot is something else Like that's really nice because it's not something that you... you something you can... You don't have to buy every what-if comic. You just have to buy the ones that are interesting to you, I guess. And it's quite nice to be able to do that. Hmm. Um, and... I, I quite I quite like the format. I like the whole one shot thing, and um, yeah, I mean, there's some some beautiful colours in this book as well because the colours are by Chris O'Halloran, who we know from Ice Cream Man. Um, it's kind of like muted tones, and nothing's too intense, and it kind of complements the art perfectly. It's like um, bright backgrounds when action pops and stuff like that, and in, in, in moments of impact and importance throughout the story. So when you get certain panels that are like something is said that's like kind of impactful or whatever then the background kind of lights up and it's great draws attention to that um and there's some great work with page layouts as well and some panel some awesome panel arrangements and especially there's um a key moment that i'm not gonna i'm not gonna spoil too much but um it involves a trailer and it involves peter parker and flash thompson and peter parker discovering a secret and how that pans out and it's great um and the whole thing actually culminates in an homage to uh, the Master Planner saga, which was classic Spider-Man 30 through to 33, which was published between 1965 and 1966. And that's the Ditko Lee stuff, like the Spider-Man Volume 1 type stuff. And, uh, well, type stuff, it is Spider-Man Volume 1. And also, like, how that might have played out with Flash instead of Spider-Man. Uh, with Flash as Spider-Man, sorry, instead of Peter. Hmm. Um, it's all narrated by Nick Fury, who is now known as, he's now known as the Unseen. And this is basically, he's basically like, he's been chained up and made to, to what, a silent watcher of Earth as punishment by the Watchers for the, um, for thing for, for things that he's done. If you want the full story on that, you need to read Marvel Original Sin. Um, but, but like, um... Nick Fury is now this cosmic dude. <laughs> is is the easiest way to explain it and he's narrating the whole thing and it's his it's his he's like the the compare sort of thing for this what if and I I'm I believe he's going to be in the other what if comics from what I can tell as the kind of like introdu- in he introduces it and he's like the MC if you get me mm. and the narrator um which is kind of cool i mean i quite i quite like that format actually i like i like this one shot format where you've got like a a kind of narrator some kind of like um cosmic storyteller or uh crypt keeper type thing I, I quite enjoy that i like i like that format i think it works really nicely with stuff like this with one shot type stories that explore things and it's it's just a bit of fun it's just a nice nice fun marvel read and i quite enjoyed that marvel what if book and there's going to be more uh, what ifs obviously there's some coming up uh which i've got a couple of them on my pull list um for the next couple of weeks which i can i can talk about there's like um there's going to be a really cool what if magic where it looks like it's what would happen if magic became the sorcerer supreme of earth and magic as in magic of the x-men and uh you've got like what if ghost rider as well which looks pretty awesome that's coming soon and there's what if the punisher 
which is what if the if Peter Parker became the Punisher. So he's like Spider-Man, but he's also the Punisher. So I don't know where that's going, but that sounds sounds like something that I want to read. So yeah, that was uh, Marvel What If and the full list of credits for that. So that's uh, What If Spider-Man number one. Uh, Jerry Conway as the writer. Diego Olatigui, artist. Uh, Walden Wong did ink assists. Chris O'Halloran, colorist. Uh, VCs Travis Lanham is the letterer, uh, Patch Searcher for cover, and John Tyler Christopher did a variant cover for it. The What Ifs are back. And also, as a side note, as well as these, they're also reprinting old What If comics, um, classic What If comics, uh, under the Marvel True Believers banner. Oh, which, that's what that is. I yeah. saw that coming up. There's stuff yeah. like the Fantastic Four and if they hadn't got their powers. Yeah, like yeah. That, those, right? those are all classic What If books. Hmm. So right. that they're quite fun as well. So you should check those out if you're interested. They're just like a little bit of, you know, a little bit of fun to dip in and out of kind of thing. That's like, mm. they're, they're doing some good ones, actually. So, yeah, something to look forward to. Um, What's first on your list, Ray? Yeah, I wanted to talk about a book that I picked up at Thought Bubble from the Piao Books um, table. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It's P-E-O-W. It's a book called Heat by Gene Wei. Um, that's Gene as in J-E-A-N, Wei as in W-E-I. Um, it's this really cute book that I've been following for a long time now, actually, on Twitter from, I think it's, um, oh God, I've forgotten her Twitter handle, Comics and Cola, Cola and Comics, one of those. Um, and like I've been seeing um, them basically pimp out this book and announce that it was going to be available for sale at the first for the first time at uh, Thought Bubble Festival that we went to and I picked it up. Um, really cute story about a fire demon that um, crash lands in the middle of a field and is sort of adopted by a family. Um, but it's not in the usual, like, adopted as though it's a childlike being and needs mentoring. It's like you get the sense that this um, this demon has fallen from its original purpose and is now find, trying to find what it is capable of in like I've in in a way expressing it as it's in its old age and it's a really nice like soft slow tale about finding your purpose um and yeah I found it really touching I, the first thing that caught my eye on it was basically the artwork it's got a very soft pastely sort of like I mean, initially, the the first thing you notice is that the book is is printed on really nice, like, rough paper. And the style of the art really complements that really well. Because it's blocky, pastel colours, which are, you know, only occasionally outlined in, like, a dark blue, um, like, dark blue lining. And everything else is sort of, it has this sugar paper quality. Um, and it's really sweet. Uh, and I, yeah, I'm having trouble expressing exactly why i like it i think the aesthetic really works for me it's got a very like simple art style and makes really creative use of like the white space of the page and then these block colors which represent these people um and then only given like slight form by their outlines and in particular for this demon that we end up calling red in the book and what its relationship is with with its environment um and the other thing was it has a has a strange like hellboy connection because it's about a you know a strong red demon who's quite friendly and has horns on its head and is trying to do you know good in the world and i thought that was really cool um like ultimately it's quite contemplative and 
like flicking through it, it's it's almost sparse in that it's a slice of life story about this being and like I said before, trying to find its purpose. But in between it's how how that same sense of like discovering and loss of purpose is happening to all the people that it meets in its life as well. So it gets taken in by this farmer family and the matriarch of this family, like the um the old woman who takes care of this farm, I get the sense that she's suffering through the same thing of like aging and not being able to perform her purpose that she'd found that she'd made for herself in life, not being able to perform it to the same standard that she used to be able to in her youth, either because of what, what age does to that purpose or what the outside world and, you know, outside influence does to your, um, the scope of your purpose. So in this instance, it's, her farm and through various reasons like the the land that she's looking after is getting smaller and smaller partly because she doesn't have the energy to look after it in the same way she did and partly because to maintain this lifestyle she has to keep selling off smaller and smaller plots of her land and like there's a despair that comes from that but also like a comfort from knowing what your place is and what you enjoy um and then like so scattered throughout the book are Kind of like webcomic-y um, splash pages. Like, So we have like a page of weeding tips and, you know, we have... I don't know how to describe it. Like in a webcomic where you have like lots and lots of little pictures that are basically kind of instructive on how to perform a simple task. And there's also... I think I expressed in the Thought Bubble episode how um, I really like depictions of food. And there's one really gorgeous food thing where... Um, the young girl who lives on the farm with her auntie, who's the the farmer I mentioned earlier, um, she's introducing the demon red to all these different, um, I believe, Chinese foods, and just like really nice, simple depictions of of the food on the page is like it's just really interesting. And then these like cute little drawings of red reacting to how it feels about these particular foods, and it's just I don't know. It felt like a really heartwarming tale that I felt I really needed this particular week of you know pretty crappy news that we've been having and yeah i feel like it was a bomb and um i just think it's really cute and i really want to implore everyone to go out and check it out because it's just a, like a, a nice nice little thing so that's heat by gene way yeah that's that sounds really nice actually sounds like something that's sort of like really uplifting and really nice to read <laughs> yeah so it's should... uplifting in the sense that because it does have a sort of it has an undercurrent of sadness because it is all about like what do you do when your purpose is not even taken away from you but you kind of fall away from it in a way mm. yeah um but then refinding refinding what usefulness you have in the world in just you know in different ways and like mm. re um recontextualizing what what worth you have and I don't know. I feel like it's a very bittersweet story, but it's a very human story. And yeah, I just I really enjoyed it. So moving along to my next one. Um, now, I've mentioned this before on a poll list on a previous episode. Mystery Science Theatre 3000, the comic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 You were saying it was public domain comics that they're doing the narrative over, right? Yeah, yeah. So I picked up issue one. Um, and I wanted to see how this works because it sounded like an interesting experiment to me of them in, you know, of taking an old comic and riffing within it, not over it, within it. So these characters then replace characters in the comic 
and are in the comic and riffing as the story of the original comic plays out. So that's the easiest way to describe it. And uh, they indicate which, which, um, which, what's been added to the comic um, with, uh, like with um, speech bubbles uh, and, and such by, uh, with, with, well, with the speech bubbles, actually, just the speech bubbles and thought bubbles. They, they indicate what's been added by adding a small circle to the bottom corner of the speech bubble. Or the okay. bottom edge of the speech bubble because they don't have corners. But <laughs> what am I doing? But yeah, um, that's that's how they indicate what's been added and, and what's different from the original comic that they're in. They're in. Now with this, for me, it was more about um, the the actual presentation than the content because the content is is as we mentioned before is this schlocky old public domain comics. And what they're doing is they're they're making fun of it from within the comic, um, and I think it works pretty well. Um, now the the beginning of the comic, uh, it, it's um, it's all original art and writing, uh, which is the portion of them, you know, on the space station and whatever else, hmm. uh, and then it becomes um, the old comic, and they are then edited into the old comic. Uh, this this kind of edited version of this old comic that they've they've picked, and yeah, the original art at the beginning of the comic is kind of cool. It's nice and uh, it's nice and detailed, and it's got this kind of like um, this kind of like painted feeling about it. Like everything's uh, the the li- like the lines are kind of fine and everything's like kind of nicely um nicely accentuated with color with the shadows and everything else and it's kind of nice and built up that way with more color more the colors doing more work than the lines if you understand what mm. I'm trying to get across with that yeah. um and then we can move on to the original comic where it's printed um with the additions and it's whatever style the original comic is and they've matched they've matched the style with the added characters as well which is kind of nice how they've matched it and blended it in nicely and it's really cool how they've managed to do that um and i just like the way this works because as i said for me it's more about presentation than content with this because uh, you you know what you're getting you're getting an old comic that's been edited um and it's just like it's just something you can switch off and read because it's just fun like with these guys like tearing apart a terrible old comic from the inside basically <laughs> like like riffing within the comic and it, it's just really really entertaining exactly like the show and it's not as complicated as it sounds like you could you could be forgiven for thinking this is going to be something really difficult to follow or really overcomplicated with the way that they've done what they're doing but it's not it's it's quite interesting and quite simple actually when you get down to it and it's quite it's quite nice getting these old comics presented this way um and you know like because if you were reading these old comics you'd be like what am i reading <laughs> you, know, you would especially this one like this one in issue 1 is um how have we put it uh well i can't remember i don't know what the original title is um but this one is Tom Servo, teen reporter in The Brat. And it's about <laughs> a movie star that, like, she's like a teen movie star or something and she gets kidnapped. And it's awful. 
<laughs> it's awful. But like, uh, it's like it's like this this awfully like it ha- it wouldn't have it has not aged well by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and it's just been like the way they've the way they've uh, the way they've inserted themselves into it's great, and the way they're making fun of this like corny old comic is brilliant. I love it. So yeah, it's uh, it's all in all, it's a bit of fun, and it's a good a good thing to pick up monthly. Um, if you want something that you can just kind of like switch off and escape to, I guess, uh, which kind of is the theme of um, of the the past two comics, actually, the what ifs and the you know, mm. and this now it's like things that are just kind of like a bit of fun, a bit of something that you can just kind of pick up and put down, which is really nice. And yeah, I I kind of like this because yeah, it's just it's it appeals to me in. The, the you know that the whole thing these like old comics and whatever and like you know how i enjoy my old horror comics i'm hoping mm. they uh they they pick some old horror comics and <laughs> do this with some old horror comics because i think there should be there could be some hilarious ones with that but yeah this is great um so the framework of it isn't like the tv show where they're sat down in a theater sort of no. like stuck there forever no no we're not getting okay. we're not ge- we're not getting uh like it's not like that it's like they are inserted into the comic via some weird ass science at the beginning <laughs> right so they're actually participating it's not like yeah the audience yeah actual audience characters in these old comics are replaced by these guys okay and then they're making fun of the comic from within that's such a strange idea i really yeah. want to, i really want to check this out yeah. yeah you should it's great yeah it's brilliant uh it's definitely okay. it's 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 a strange idea and it it's it sounds weird when i'm describing it but it actually works really well and i'm quite impressed it's like it's like quite an interesting fun experiment i think and i think it's i think it's gone it's gone over really well uh the full list of credits for this one we have created for comics by joel hodgson developed for comics by joel hodgson and harold bercholtz written by harold bercholtz joel hodgson matt mcginnis seth robinson cheryl volp and mary robinson uh, host segment art is by Todd Nork, so this is the beginning. The in comics art is Mike Manley. Colorists, uh, Wes Desober, Mike Manley. Lettering, Michael Heisler. Cover A is by a Todd Nork, uh, which is the cover I have, I believe. Um, publisher is Mike Richardson. Designers, Ethan Kimberling and Patrick Satterfield. Digital art technician, Adam Pruitt. Assistant editor, Judy Koo and editor, Randy Stadley. So it's kind of a massive team. Wow. Yeah. I've worked on this, but it's really it's really well put together. I enjoyed it, and there's a big Netflix bubble on the bottom front uh, left hand corner of the comics. I think I think Netflix are like, uh, well, as you'll see shortly with other things on my list. I think Netflix are starting to capitalise on the comics world as well. Yeah, because there's a recent um, TV show that's come out right uh, with Patton Oswalt and Felicia Day. I think it is. Is that right? Yeah. Have you watched any of that? What's that one called? Uh, mystery science theater oh the new mystery science theater yeah yeah the one on i've netflix. not i've not watched the new one yet no okay not watched the new one i know the old one's been on netflix okay i really miss the old one i've yeah. not been able to find it anyway if you say it's on netflix i'll, uh, I'll yeah. have to catch I'm up on that pretty sure it's on netflix okay cool. and then they've they've done like a they it's back and they've done new ones i think and then you've got like this comic now as well so yeah as a bit of an aside, did you ever catch up on what this, those guys did after Mystery Science Theatre 3000 ended? 
but they had some like downtime. They did a thing called Riff Tracks, okay, where you download you could download MP3 files that you put onto your iPod, and then you sync up with a DVD that you own, and then you can listen to their weird commentary over the film. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, it was a really odd idea. It didn't work very well. Like I think I downloaded a couple like where they made fun of the Matrix Reloaded. Like, it was around that time, you know, when, when those films were coming out, so what, like, mid-2000s or whatever. Yeah. But it was a really interesting concept, and I, I like, I'm, it's a shame that that didn't um, yeah. take off more often. Because I know that in, like, that's a that's a jokey way of doing it, but I think there was some serious versions of that same concept of, like, listening along to an audio while you're watching a movie. So I think the guy who directed Looper, which... It's Ryan Johnson, the guy who directed the latest Star Wars film. Um, he did one for Looper where, you know, it was his director's commentary, which I think is different to the director's commentary on mm. the DVD, which I don't own. So maybe he doesn't even have one. But yeah, he definitely did one that you could like take to the cinema because he released this at the time when it was in cinemas and you could listen to it as the film started in the theater, which is a yeah, I feel like that's just encouraging bad behavior. But it's a cool idea. <laughs> <laughs> cinemas are for watching films, Ray. I know, right? Devices. I mean, you don't have... Don't you dare lecture me on that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just thought that was worth mentioning. I, I like a lot of what, like, the whole MSTK3 guys, like, do, so... Do you know what? I think I think they should have ushers walk through the cinema and collect devices at the start of the film and hand you a ticket, like a coat check-in. I... I don't know if this was something that was just made like it was it was a parody or it's something that was genuinely real but like I remember seeing something or maybe it's maybe it's real for like gigs where you're not supposed to have your phone out but th- there's these kind of like heavy duty bags that you pop your phone into and then they zip closed and they're kind of locked and you keep your phone on you but you don't have you can't access it because you can't use the touchscreen through the bag and then when you leave the 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 venue they like they have like a special knife or something that opens up the bag. So that's that's a thing that exists to stop you from using your phone at yeah. events where you're not supposed to. Yeah. I mean, are we are we being really like fascistic with this or what? I don't know, but <laughs> like, like in principle I don't support it, but I feel like it it would be in, in yeah. everybody's benefit maybe. But... Obviously obviously I don't I mean like I'm I'm only joking when I say that people should relinquish <laughs> their devices at the beginning of a film, but it, you know, it's uh, you you know, you should not be using your phone in the cinema. Yeah, just have more honor, right? Just be better. And yeah, just be just, a better person, yeah. Just be a better person, don't disturb don't, people when you're at an event. Yeah, don't keep getting your phone out otherwise you will bring about that dark future. <laughs> where <laughs> heavily armored shock troopers with Warner, you know, like working for Warner Brothers, because by this point, Disney and Warner Brothers and whatever, they're like, it's like this big corporate dystopia, and these guys are running the show, <laughs> you know, and they'll be like marching around the cinema, taking yeah, devices, drones in the cinema screen, floating around, watching for it, administering <laughs> electric shocks when they catch you, you know. That's kind of epic. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't want it, but. Like, <laughs> like I wouldn't want needs it. to oversee this. I wouldn't. Know? This is Ray, Ray right now. I wouldn't want it, but I secretly want it. I secretly want it. I secretly <laughs> want it because I know that I wouldn't personally be, uh, like, subject to it. And that's yeah. the worst kind of fascism. Yeah. Where I know it doesn't apply to me. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, in short, stop using your phone, otherwise, we're going to end up living in this horrible. <laughs> dystopia where cinemas become 
military policed i don't know what but yeah the world is already a horrible dystopia but let's let's not get into no that. let's not get into <laughs> that minute, shall we? instead let's talk about your next comic <laughs> which is uh, <laughs> so you were talking about the last few picks that you've mentioned being about escapism in yeah. a fun way yeah i feel like this this next book i'm going to talk about is about a dark form of escapism so it's a book called i kill giants mm-hmm. uh, written by joe kelly um and art by jm ken nimura yeah um and the overarching theme of this, um, and like the catchphrase, or not catchphrase, but a phrase that's uttered a couple, you know, a bunch of times throughout the story is, you are stronger than you think you are. Um, it's a really touching uh, book by, sorry, about um, a young woman, a young girl called Barbara Thorson. Um, and she's a girl who's like struggling with life by escaping into a fantasy life of magic and monsters. Um, and she's like obsessed with Dungeons and Dragons. She doesn't have that many friends. She's a bit of an outcast. And she's taken her fantasy just a little too far. Um, and she's obsessed with the concept of like Norse mythology and giants and titans. And she genuinely believes and genuinely sees um, and believes herself to be a giant slayer. Um, and it turns out that um, like these these dark forces and these giants and titans that she's seeing is is indicative of something you know running deeper um, and this tragedy that's happening in her life. And the story is us uncovering what has made her become this way, and you know what is happening in her life that she's had to escape into this fantasy life. And it's it's really interesting. I should point out that this is an image comic back from two thousand eight. It was a like a run of seven issues um, that you know went from I think July two thousand eight to January two thousand nine. Um, and like, oh, and the reason I bring it up is because it has talking about Netflix. It's recently become a movie. I think last year, um, and it's now available on Netflix. And I wanted to read the comic before I watched the film. It's also I should point out one of my girlfriend's favorite comic books. She. You know, she's been convincing me to read it for, I think, a couple of years now. And I've only finally just got around to watch uh, reading it because the um, Netflix film is coming yeah. out. Yeah, I'm sorry to break your flow, Ray, but I need to interrupt you for a word from our sponsor, Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> if only. Right? <laughs> this episode sure feels like it. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> but yeah, so it uh, the movie, which is on Netflix, it stars uh, Madison Wolf, who I believe was in True Detective, and she plays the, the lead heroine. Um, Imogen Poots, who I know from 28 Weeks Later, but she was also in, I think, like that pop star film with Andy Samberg, and she's been in a few other things. And like a little known actress called Zoe Saldana, who was in like this tiny movie called Avatar and like, I think, Guardians of the Galaxy and Star Trek. And just like, you might not have heard of them. Um, oh, but anyway, Ava- I'm, I'm really... Sorry, Avatar's that little that is that that little art house one with the blue people. Yeah, it was like yeah. they took the concept of Smurfs and then made it like all fancy and futuristic. I don't know, yeah. it was a weird weird movie. Yeah. I didn't, you know, not many people watched it. Um, yeah. But <laughs> so I kill giants. Like it's uh, it, it's all in like it's it's black and white line art, and it has this very um, Western manga esque style to it. Like it's very hyper fantasy very hyper-realistic, very, like, um, I don't know how to describe it. Like, I'm having trouble, I think I'm having trouble today in general describing how I feel about things, but it does have this, like, a melding of Western and manga to it, and the the way that we see her, there's two different types of flights of fantasy that we see. We see her, like, seeing 
pixies and fairies and like the the under layer of reality that can be quite cute and quaint as like scribbles or her like scratchy doodles that she may have been scribbling into her notebooks as she's picked up these ideas from um you know her dungeons and dragons that she's obsessed with and then on the flip side is these really dark and foreboding and like um, just really tense images of like really dark demonic titan forces and you feel really dwar- you can sense how dwarfed she feels compared to these huge hulking creatures that she's terrified of and the the metaphor that it's describing is really it's really interesting and it works really well um and i don't want to say too much because it it does go to like a really in some really poignant places and I feel like it's not a it's not a cheap metaphor. I feel like they really sell this thing about her having dived into this fantasy of being a, a giant slayer, um, and the w- different ways that it manifests and the different ways that it affects how she reacts to people and her like her brashness and her rudeness and her like overconfidence against you know bullies in her life, for example. And um. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I'm really looking forward to watching the movie, and I'll be talking about that in, hopefully, if not the next episode, then the one after. Mm. Yeah, I should probably watch the movie as well. I've never read the comic, but I've I've, I've heard of it, and I've seen it getting all kinds of, like, acclaim in various places. Like, people people do talk highly of it, and it is something that is on the never-ending list now, so... <laughs> yeah, I believe it's something yeah. that was um, picked picked up as, like one of the best graphic novels for teenagers. Mm. And I can see why, because if you're if you're that age and you're struggling with um, the kind of issues that are happening in this story, I could... I mean, I was a teenager when... I was a late teenager when I struggled through um, a, a very similar um, scenario in some ways. Um, I Like, I was 18 when this happened to me. And I think if I'd have had something like this to connect to, I would have really appreciated this book at that age. Like, it's it's not only is it highlighting and... Like, there's a way that you can lash out when you don't know how to deal with something. And it's it's simultaneously saying, it's okay to feel this way, but there is a way that you need to learn to to move on mm. and, like deal with your emotions and deal with your feelings and like tackle things face on and it's a really good lesson to learn um and yeah i'd i'd i would have recommended it to 18 year old me any day yeah definitely something that uh that i will have to add to my list that, that will need to be read and i will need to watch the movie because it's now available and it's on netflix isn't it it is yeah yeah netflix speaking <laughs> netflix. of netflix <laughs> Netflix. Netflix. Maybe they will sponsor us if you say it. <laughs> Image Comics and Netflix. Is this like is this like those things where if you look in the mirror and say a word so many times then something will happen? Like if you look in the mirror and say Bloody Mary or Candyman. Or like Candyman. Or, or Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden you hear Did you ever get the one at school where you say Biggie Smalls into the mirror three times? That's or from I just South pick- Park. <laughs> <laughs> Biggish Smurge. I swear that was the thing. Biggish Smurge. Biggish Smurge. Yeah, it's from South Park, yeah. Right, right. That's just seeped into my head and I thought it was real. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, Netflix. So um, now I'm going to talk about another comic that has its roots in Netflix. And uh, this is The What's Stranger Things. What's that you say? Things. Netflix? Netflix, yeah. Netflix. This is streaming service. Sorry. 
the, col- the color red. No, yeah, this is um, this is the Stranger Things comic. Ba bong. Yeah, um, <laughs> and um, it's the uh, it's uh, on Dark Horse, uh, and it's. Mm. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that ninety percent of people that listen to us have probably seen or heard of Stranger Things. It was a phenomenon, wasn't it? When season it was, one dropped it, and. It, I feel like it was a, a crossover hit in the way that Game of Thrones was for like high fantasy. Yeah, I think it got a lot of people into this um, yeah. this like dark horror fantasy yeah. thing because like it has that perfect combination of being a nostalgia trip being set in the eighties, yeah, eighties, like, yeah, early nineties, like, yeah, mid eighties, um, and you know being a horror property that isn't is scary but not like ridiculously scary and not violent, not not yeah. particularly gory but more like disturbing um with like really interesting um like uh monster character um what's the word i'm looking for like character style like the yeah. monster style is really really clever and interesting and then also being about like these four or five young children who you know are kind of nerdy but like going through this adventure thing and it was a, yeah. it was a bit of like a a throwback to the old like steven was, spielberg movies yeah. and you know it was et it was close encounter it was yeah 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 it was all of those rolled into one um stand by me and all those kind of things yeah the goonies yeah, yeah goonies yeah i mean like so obviously most of you will know stranger things most of you will have seen season one and season two um I'm not going to, if you haven't seen those yet, then I'm not going to talk too much about what happens in those because you need to watch them because they are amazing. But uh, this Stranger Things book deals with the time that one of our characters, Will, the boy that goes missing in season one, spends in a, I guess we can call it um, an alternate dimension called Mm -hmm. the Upside Down. Um, And... It just answers that question, like, well, while everything's happening in season one, while you've got people out looking for him, people going mad with despair and whatever, it's like what's happening to him in the upside down on the other side of all of that is what this is going to explore. Um, and issue one begins, um, it actually opens right when he disappears. So that's that's where it starts. Um, okay. And it's like, it, it's him, it's basically him trying to um, stay hidden from the Demogorgon and make his way through the Upside Down, kind of in an, uh, I guess I can liken it to Alien, in that, okay. you know, in the way that you've got um, the first Alien movie where it's it's like one-on-one. Mm. kind of thing it's that it's that kind of thing but maybe maybe that's where the similarity ends um because he's he's trying to escape from this thing and he's he's trying to be you know he's trying to trying to hide and whatever else and trying to get back to the real world um and it's it's quite a nice tie-in um and and it'll be cool to just find out more about will's time in the upside down and find out more about the upside down which i'm hoping this book will explore um and yeah, I just, um, I enjoyed this in a way that I'm enjoying it because it's about something that I admire and enjoy. So, rather than me describing this, because I mean, I when I say this, it's not an insult or anything like that, but when I say this comic isn't anything 
amazing as in you know for critical acclaim or anything like that uh, it, it's 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 the level of skill the level of that it takes to make a comic the level of um work and everything else it's just not it, it's but it, the reason i'm enjoying this is because it is about stranger things and it is something that i I'm, I'm into as a fan of stranger things i will buy this and i will read it um it's quite a nice tie-in and it's it's nice to see the way the artwork works in this to describe the upside down actually it's got the art has like kind of this minimalistic edge and it sort of teeters between cartoon and realism quite nicely in places um there's just enough detail and lines and the pacing's really good uh with the interspersing of flashbacks and the mind's eye view of the D campaign that they have at the beginning of the show and everything else like how they see it and how they represent it on when they draw pictures of it and things like that which is really cool um and it's just got some nice um like the backgrounds especially in some of the panels in the way that it shows the upside down in the way that it it shows the world uh, with these kind of like muted watercolors is really cool. I quite like that, um, and yeah, it just it just looks really nice in that way, uh, with the way the colors are done and the way that it, it represents the world and everything else. And uh, I got this really cool photo cover one, which is Will on his bicycle. Um, oh yeah, you it's sent made, me that. It's made to look like a knackered old magazine, and it's really nice. Yeah, that looks cool. It's yeah. like it's a. Um... It yeah. looks like it's a picture of a of a comic that you've like yeah. dug up from the eighties. Like it's got yeah. that weathered style to it, right? Yeah, and the, the yeah, and and it's just it's just really great to just read it and find all this stuff out, and just in a kind of like a way that you can read this as a companion to the show, because you could read yeah. this and watch season one and like get mm. kind of both sides of it. Yeah, because going by the the picture that you sent, it's like we like we're saying, it's this weathered picture if anything yeah. it looks it looks like the cover to like a pulpy sort of novel yeah. which i think plays to the concept that you were saying earlier like it's not trying to be high art it's trying yeah. to tell more of a story that it knows yeah. people want more yeah. of that's that's so what i was really, getting at yeah yeah so it doesn't really need to be like any yeah. it doesn't need to be an art piece it doesn't need to like really elevate the the medium but no. it can use use the medium to its best to like tell this side story and yeah, and that is exactly what it's doing, and it's doing it very well. Yeah, it's it's being um, almost of its of its time, or of the time that is it is it is aping. Mm. So it's like it's being a tie-in, and it knows it's a tie-in, and it's really good for that. Okay, I think is what it's doing. Maybe I'm maybe I'm looking at it through the meta lens too much, but I don't know. I mean, if you enjoy, <laughs> if you wanted more Stranger Things, yeah then this delivers right it's not yeah, like it's, yeah. if you it want... doesn't ruin it for you in high no, school no, or no 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 yeah. no not at all if you want more stranger things and you don't this is this is where you go for it right now on a bit and, of a tangent yeah are you the kind of person who generally likes anything that's tied into a property that you already like or like do you have any examples where you don't like the thing like you don't like the ancillary work that you've been given um, or are you are you generally quite positive on these things? Like more, anything of more of the same is good. It largely depends on like the quality of that ancillary work. Okay, so you are affected by how good it is. So the point I was getting at was yeah. like you could be trusted as even though you're a big fan of Stranger Things. If this wasn't good, you wouldn't just like it. Because oh no, no, I wouldn't Stranger just things. like it because it was Stranger Things. No, that's okay. not what I was getting at. What I'm getting at is. Although it's you know it, it's it's a comic being a comic, mm. and it is it is 
giving me more Stranger Things and it's giving me more Stranger Things in a way that I like. Yeah, so, I feel like that with a lot of tie-in comics, yeah. like with the, the Captain Phasma Star Wars comics, yeah. where I was I was kind of um, on edge about diving into them, but I actually ended up really enjoying those. Mm. And I'm I'm glad that that was an ancillary work, but I think then there's something else I've read in the I think it was the James Bond stuff, which... I'm still, I'm still bummed out that I have to read a real book to find out Captain Phasma's origin. <laughs> What's that? A real what, what real book? We talked about it before on the episode that Captain Phasma's origin was published as a novel. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. And and <laughs> like I thought this comic that we were reading was gonna be I'm scarred by this. I thought the comic that we were reading when we were talking about it was gonna be Captain Phasma's origin. No, but it's it just wasn't. Her, uh, her being yeah. the captain in Yeah. 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 It was cool. It was very cool, but I've got to read a real book. Anyway, yeah, we've already <laughs> talked about that. <laughs> An actual novel. Yeah. Um, so what were, you, what were you saying? Sorry, I interrupted your train. No, that was it. Just to see um, where you stood on the spectrum of yeah. like, I just want more of the same and be damned how good it is. No, because you can, I mean, like, I'm I'm very good at I'm not one of these people that will complain about it like you know like people mm. loudly complain when they get something that's um you know I I tend to just ignore it but if you ask me my opinion on it I'll tell you my opinion if I don't like it I'll ignore it but if you ask me for my opinion I'll tell you my opinion if I don't like it re the Michael Bay Transformers movies for example <laughs> but yeah <laughs> I think that's a good way to be yeah <laughs> instead yeah. of just dumping on stuff that you don't like talk about exactly. things that you do like yeah exactly and um you got something else you want to talk about ray yeah this is something i read this morning this is the the issue number one of an image comic that i told myself i wouldn't read but i just i was i don't know i was too attracted to the cover it's um, a book called blackbird by writer sam humphreys artist jen bartell layout artist paul reinwand uh reinwand uh, colorist Nayung Wilson and Jen Bartel, letterer Jody Wynn, uh, designer Dylan Todd, and variant cover artist Fiona Staples, who, you know, uh, someone that all three of us love from Saga. Yes. Um, basically, I've been following Jen Bartel's work for quite a while now. Um, I really, really enjoy her, like, her colorful, like, neo, neo-digital style, I kind of call it, where there was a time when digital art felt very, like, flat and even though it had the kind of bright vivid colors that i liked it could feel slightly flattened and like compressed i feel like jen bartel has this really vibrant style where it has that digital edge where everything's nice and like crisp and colorful and like vibrant and you know a lot of her work has this 80s um purple and blue you know uh, neon tones um, but if you inspect a bit deeper, you see there's a lot of texture to the work as well. It's not just the flat colors using digital paintbrushes. There's a lot of, you know, um, real world texture going on in them. Um, and that's what first brought me on to Blackbird. Like it has everything that I love. Like, I think it's the kind of thing that we've talked about as being eye-catching from the get-go, like that, that vibrant purple and vibrant blue, um, 80s throwback style. So this story is about um it starts off about this young girl called nina who has a premonition about a disaster that's about to occur um nobody believes her but it turns out to be true and as she's trying to escape um from this tragedy 
she gets saved by this mysterious force. And it turns out that she's the only one that can remember that it happened. Everybody else has their memory of the event wiped out. And then it skips forward to 10 years where she's clearly still struggling with the trauma of this event. And not just the event, but like having gone through this... um, gone through this experience where this mystical force has come along and like changed the situation but having been touched by it and not having had her memory wiped has affected her deeply in some way and yeah it's seeing how it's caused it may it possibly has caused her to like delve into drugs and escapism um in her later life and in a in a similar way to like Eichel giants um she dives into the occult and she dives into learning about what she calls, I think it was paragons, like wizards and witches and that sort of occultish, um, that kind of education. And like, I, I read this very quickly and I feel like it's a really good intro to uh, like an issue one. I think it's it's got the kind of hook that I like where it's it shows off the art style, it shows off the, the pacing it shows off like the vibrancy of the world that I really enjoy, and it has like this um, this overtone of like being an homage to things like Sailor Moon. There's a lot of that kind of um, I don't know how to say it like zodiac inspired or like occult inspired aesthetic, um, which I think is you know will be really cool to see like explored further. Um, and yeah, I just I I really liked the way it looked and like the way I think we were talking about this before the before the recording started where sometimes you're you're attracted to something or you want to absorb something just because it gives you the aesthetic you want yeah and like I really feel that with this I just really enjoy pouring over the mm. the images and the kind of world that it's showing off um and just like the style of everybody in it like the 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 clothing and the aesthetic and everybody's hair and like this whole I don't know, um, just this fantastical world where things aren't quite as, uh, you know, as happy or as vibrant. They're quite like, there's, there's a dark yeah. undercurrent to all. And yeah, I dig it. I really want to see where it goes. And like, just the fact that it's Jen Bartel, who's, whose work I've really enjoyed in the past was enough to get me onto it. Like there's one in particular, which is uh, Women of Wakanda, which is like this really cool orange and blue tone inspired painting of like the three leads from the Black Panther movie. Um, or the three female leads from the Black Panther movie. I just, yeah, I, I really, I really dig it. I'd, I'd say give it a look. Yeah, what you were saying about um, absorbing things because they give you, and that they represent an aesthetic that you enjoy or whatever that you want to immerse yourself in. Mm. Um, I'm, I do that quite a lot. Uh, it, you know, like you, you find yourself um, dipping into things just because they represent things that you like. Um, in a way that, you know, like you don't necessarily need to have it, but you, you want, you, you want more of that aesthetic. So you will, you will seek, you will, you will get it and you will seek it out because it's there in front of you kind of thing. Yeah. The way I, like, I feel like this entire weekend of me reading these three books in particular, I feel like it, it having been like a quite a heavy news week and I kind of just wanted to dive into stuff that satisfied me if you know what i mean Mm. so in some ways i think the reason i'm having trouble expressing why i like these things is because 
in some ways I was absorbing them almost passively. And mm. I think I do that with music a lot as well, where sometimes you just want, you want that aesthetic in your ears. Like you want a particular genre, you want that kind of sound yeah. and you yeah. don't, sometimes like especially if you're doing it while you're working or you have it in the background while you're doing something else like while you're cooking or whatever um it just fulfills that need of like changes your your baseline level and i think that's what these three books have done in particular i think that's the kind of like the aesthetic that blackbird really has like it's just deeply satisfying to see this kind of image and this kind of arrangement just to pour over and uh, maybe I'll give it another read if I find time and I'll have more to say about its content or maybe yeah. when issue two comes out I'll if, if one yeah. of you remind me because I think this is the kind of thing that you and Leon would really enjoy mm. too because it does have that that thing that we've expressed that we really like which is like that CW inspired teen drama thing like I got a lot of shades of like I said Sailor Moon but also like Life is Strange from this yeah. in some ways yeah Um, with that like almost lynchian sort of darkness but with that teenage high fantasy high drama thing yeah all Um, that all that stuff that leon loves (laughs) all that stuff that leon definitely like i think yeah i I don't know how do you how do you feel about this kind of thing because i know that me and leon definitely share this i think i think you two i think you two um like i mean i i i like it but i think Mm. you two you two dig it on another level compared to me (laughs) maybe i always thought that you and leon like I mean, I like I River- like Riverdale. I really I was like literally Riverdale. about to say Riverdale. Yeah. Like you and him connected with that. Oh yeah, I God, yeah, deeper than I did in some ways. River- Riverdale's yeah. fantastic, but yeah. I think what I get out of Riverdale is the fact that it's because I like Archie comics and mm. I like the Archie horror stuff. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I like I like Riverdale anyway, and I like I do like some teen stuff, but I'm like these teen shows, these teen drama shows, or whatever. But I'm not. I don't think I'm um, a, on the same level as you and Leon are with stuff like that. I think I've. I think I think that's that. Um, yeah, I think I think that's more more your thing than mine. Like okay. like because because I I I mean uh, in the same time I read a lot more. I, I like a lot more horror stuff than you do. Mm. with like comics and things i read a lot more horror and things like that but certainly in comics like i mm. love horror movies um and i think this this kind of aesthetic this like everything we've been describing for the last 10 minutes yeah that i love in movies i think i do like it in tv so stuff like riverdale and stuff like the upcoming um chilling adventures of sabrina which i'm really looking yeah, forward to definitely. i just find the medium a little bit harder yeah. to dive into with yeah. tv yeah but that's the thing that really gets me about Maniac. Like, I think it's selling this same sort of vibe. Yeah. And I really want to check that out. You should. It's great. Hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that brings us on to my last comic. But before hmm. I do that, I'm going to read out the credits for Stranger Things. Because I forgot to tell <laughs> you the creative team before we moved on. So, um I've got, uh, it's written by, so this is Stranger Things uh, number one, and it is uh, written by Jodie Hauser, pencils by Stefano Martino, inks by Keith Champagne, colours by Lauren Aff, letters by Nate Picos um, of Blambot, cover by Patrick Satterfield and Netflix, boom, and uh, connected (laughs) back cover by Fruz. So yeah, there we go. Stranger Things has oh yeah has this connecting back cover if you buy all the issues to show like one big picture. Oh cool. Yeah. Um. Now my final comic this week is Ice Cream Man. 
<laughs> Again. <laughs> it's Ice Cream Man number seven. So this is one that I talked about on my pool list. This is the one um, with the uh, the little girl and her dead best friend. And the story was called My Little Poltergeist. Oh, yeah. You were very excited about this one. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I thought it was going to be yeah. really cool. Um, mm. I- I'm always excited about Ice Cream Man. <laughs> now, this one is actually really nice. And it has an oddly hopeful ending. Okay. So, yeah, instead of ending in this kind of like black hole of misery, like uh, a few issues of Ice Cream Man have, this one is actually, you know, ends in a rather nice way. Um, So, with this story, um, a young girl's best friend dies and she copes by talking to this girl's ghost. Or by imagining that she is still there. Kind of like in an imaginary friend type way. And this is something that's been happening. And her parents are rather disturbed by this. Um, You know, that her father's worried for his daughter's mental health. Kind of saying, you know, this this is, you know, there's like this whole part in it where he's like, "This, this isn't, you know, this is schizophrenia. We need to do something about this kind of thing. Um. And uh, it is how it plays out from there. Um, and obviously it gets more and more twisted as the story goes on, as as these Ice Cream Man books often do. Hmm. Um, and I will leave it there for the synopsis. Um, and it's uh, some beautiful work here with the, the story being framed by the girl's drawings. Uh, she's got like this drawing pad and it's drawings of her and her friend going on an adventure and things like that. And the story seems to be sort of like framed and paced according to her pictures. So as you go through, some of the pages will, at the top of the page, have a a picture, um, which is something like her and her friend, like, and it opens with that. And then like, uh, they were the bestest friends. And it's the picture of the drawing pad in landscape. And it's those two sitting on a swings, holding hands, and then uh, the actual image below um, is the girl by herself with an ice cream sitting on a swing and no Mm. one next to her. Looking rather, um, rather, rather upset, rather, rather depressed. Obviously, you know, she's in mourning at the moment. Um, And like, as we go through the book, it's like the whole thing seems to be framed by these pictures and it's really nice. Um, and it's like, yeah, it's 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 like this this story in these pictures. It's like um, it's like a, the, the fantasy tale of her and her friend, and also there's the child's narration in parts of the book as well, and how she's come to terms with her friend's death. And obviously, as it goes through, it gets more, it gets creepier and creepier, and it, it gets more and more disturbing as the book goes on. And obviously, as the meddling hand of our not-so-friendly purveyor of frozen treats is exposed. Um, There's also some really nice panels that really serve to build the unease in this issue. There's panels framed at slightly twisted angles. Um, There's there's ways that... uh, There's, there's, there's like, panels where the way that it's drawn, the way that the staircase is drawn and things like that in this kind of, like, twisted, warped perspective that just makes it... Just just gives you unease. just, Just, like, oozes like unease and and ed, ed, like you know puts you on edge it's great um and it, it's just like 
yeah it's just like this whole scene where she's going she runs away in the middle of the night and she's going down the stairs and the stairs is at this really weird twisted angle and we've got some like strange perspective and some of the other um some some like really good use of perspective and some of the other panels in the way that it's it's like laid out and everything and it's just it just gives you just adds layers of tension and fear to already unsettling events um now the 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 way that this plays out is is really nice and like i said this ends on a like a kind of a, a, a an optimistic note a nice note and it's got this kind of like um i mean like in the uh the ballad of the falling man where it's the the one with the um the guy jumping off the top of the building and that's how it all starts um oh, yeah. i've talked about that one before yeah mm-hmm. um we meet another character who is kind of like he's there to to kind of stop the ice cream man without giving too much away is is what he feels like like he's kind of like the the antithesis of the ice cream man like he's there to to kind of like be like no you know you can't have this one and at the end of this book he does a whole like you can't have this one um yeah this you you know not not this time kind of thing you know Hmm. and and it's really nice the way it plays out and it's a really really good story and as always the artwork's beautiful the colors are beautiful uh, the panels, the panel layouts are, are really interesting and really serve to like give a great sort of um, understanding of pace and everything else in the story, in the way that it's laid out, and the way that we've got it, it's that whole thing with panels laid over larger pictures again that this book does so well and that this book likes to do a lot um, that this creative team tend to do just to show like periods of time and things happening as things are happening kind of thing like everything happening at the same time. And to, to give it a, a sort of a an idea of the fact that this is all in one moment type thing, and it, it just works really well. Like two, you're, you're kind of getting one one moment from two different angles, and the second angle is laid inside the first kind of thing. And it's really it's really cool how that works. Um, and yeah, I just I just I love this book. And uh, it sets it up nicely for the next... Well, gives you a preview of the uh, the cover of the next one at the end. And uh, next month's issue eight, we've got the ice cream man serving ice creams to people working an ambulance. So I don't know where that's going, but <laughs> I'm excited as always. Um, and yes, yeah, so that is Ice Cream Man number seven and the uh, full creative credits for that. Written by W. Maxwell Prince, art by Martin Mazzarado, uh, uh, Martin Morazzo, even, sorry. I'm fudging my words today. Colours by Chris O'Halloran, lettering by Good Old Neon, cover A by uh, Morazzo and O'Halloran, cover B by Fabio Moon, and designed by Ashley Walker. So there we go. That's Ice Cream Man issue number seven, published by Image Comics. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, have you caught up on any Ice Cream Man yet, Ray? I have not. Like, I'm so far behind on those. No! And I, I, I think it's I own them all. Like, I, they're on my pull list. I pick them up every month. Um, I just haven't had the chance. Or, like, oh. something else gets in the way or I need to read something new. So I've not had the just not had the opportunity. It's like, you know, when I pick it up, I either end up reading it on the way home or as soon as I get home. I can't not read it. <laughs> um, but this is, this is the thing. Like, the thing yeah. we mentioned at the start of the episode is, like, what was I going to say? Um... Like, finding finding time and setting aside stuff. So, yeah, the reason yeah. I didn't want to 
I didn't want to read another number one is because the amount of time that I was spending reading number ones and then not getting a chance to finish them off was yeah. too much. And like sometimes you have to make sacrificial choices for the things that you want to read. So I've been um, been making more of an effort to listen to some new music and read a book. Yeah. Um, and those don't happen if I'm dedicated to reading yeah. comic books sometimes. So I've yeah, that's the reason I've been trying to yeah. read graphic novels instead. Um, yeah. I want to um, I want to go back and revise my statement about real books as well because. <laughs> I think that was wrong to say. We all know you didn't mean it. <laughs> yeah, you, you know how I meant that, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't mean it in a. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, you know. But yeah, um, it's like. Yeah, I, I always, I always read this straight away. It's like one I always make time for, and um, it's getting a TV show, isn't it? Yeah, I heard about that. That's... Yeah. That's interesting. I don't know yeah. what they're going to do with that, but I would. I hope it preserves the same like, colorful, um, like the thing that seems really unsettling is because it's colorful and vibrant, and it's not necessarily like steeped in yeah. violent imagery. It's almost hmm. like, again, almost like that Lynchian sort of white picket fence, but there's something awful hiding in the background yeah, vibe, it, it, as opposed to it being like the upside down where everything is, is no, ruined. Yeah, it has that. It has that kind of like, you peel back the layers slowly type thing about it. But I also don't want it to go too far in the other direction and be like sinister cartoony because like the mm. thing i fear is that it would be like that sound garden video, you know, like Black Hole Sun. Yeah. yeah. Where it's, it's too, where it's like, I... I like that at the time. I don't really like that aesthetic now. I feel like it's too on the nose. I'm I'm really curious to see how they find the balance in yeah. a live action version of this. Yeah, I um, the best I can hope for is that it kind of does this. Are you afraid of the dark? But for adults, thing. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, yeah, I definitely. Would love that. Yeah, I miss. Are you afraid of the dark? When's that coming to Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> don't know why don't you ask them since you have a direct line to them <laughs> so just pick up the red netflix phone and just you know. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like in your back cave just pick up the red phone <laughs> and it goes bong when you pick it up <laughs> yeah the red netflix phone yeah oh <laughs> uh, yeah i should i should um i should ask them <laughs> oh i don't have a direct line to netflix <laughs> You do. It's called Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we do now is Netflix. <laughs> I'm watching their stuff and they're watching me. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They can see precisely how many biscuits I'm eating as I'm watching <laughs> their shows. So, yeah, that rounds it up for uh, this week. So um, that's that's everything, I think. That's all the comics. So I think we're on to the pool list. Mm. Um, and I will open with my pools for 10th of October, which is when this episode's dropping. Um, so my first one that I wanted to talk about was something called Murder Falcon. Ooh, okay. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> it's called Murder Falcon and Murder Falcon number one comes out on October the 10th and it's from Daniel Warren Johnson, who is your guy for Extremity and uh, something that I've talked about previously on this cast, which is a really great comic. The world is under attack by monsters, and Jake's life is falling apart. No band, no girl, no future. Until he meets Murder Falcon. He was sent from the heavy to destroy all evil. 
but he can't do it without Jake shredding up a storm. <laughs> now, with every chord Jake plays on his guitar, the power of metal fuels murder falcon in all our kung fu fury on those that seek to conquer Earth. It's time to shred. So, uh, why do you think I want that, Rahul? Uh, who, who wrote this? <laughs> it's because... Daniel, Daniel Warren Johnson. He's the writer and artist. Right. Netflix hasn't been watching you. Daniel's been watching you. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. That sounds really cool. I... Yeah. A, uh, the Murder Falcon can't do Murder Falconing without heavy metal, apparently. So, <laughs> I mean, obviously. <laughs> yes. What kind of Murder Falcon would it be if it was yeah. like... <laughs> can't Can't bust heads without a good solo going. <laughs> yeah so uh so yeah i need that uh it's uh daniel warren johnson he's the writer artist cover artist and we've got mike spicer doing colors um the next one that i picked um is something for the fact that we are in spooky season and this is the cursed comics cavalcade and this is a dc thing um so horror death uh face punching Witness 10 all-new stories that promise to be the most terrifying, most shocking, and most horrific comics that DC Comics has ever published. Hyperbole much. There's Batman, Wonder Woman, Guy Gardner, Swamp Thing, Zatanna, and more of your favourite heroes face unspeakable horrors from the streets of Gotham City to the darkest sects of the universe. So this is going to be, I think, a collection of 10 tales. Um, and obviously it's going to be like short stories involving established DC characters horror wise okay which is um yeah i think this is going to be kind of cool um it was the something i picked up uh something like this last year as well and it was kind of cool so yeah i'm looking forward to that um and uh i guess that moves me on to the following week which is the 17th of october um the two that i picked out sort of like a special note then um we've got hit girl number nine which is Hit Girl in Rome. Um, and uh, Mindy races around the ancient city in hot pursuit of an airport cargo thief and their stolen loot. When Hit Girl finally gets hold of the package, she uncovers a macabre story that leads her deep into the dark criminal underbelly of Rome. Uh, and we've got uh, Raphael um, Scavoni as the writer. Um, Gaetano Libertori is the variant cover artist. Uh, Raphael Albuquerque is the writer artist cover artist and variant cover artist and uh, we've got bengal who's done a variant cover for it so hit girl in rome Sweet. and another one which is another new number one uh is exorcisters number one and uh this is an image comic so the uh synopsis well the the blurb for this one did you sign a deal with the devil has your fiance been dragged to hell then kate and kate one with a k one with a c harrow should be the first ones you call for timely soul retrieval at a reasonable rate. But why are these identical twins so different? Is there a darker secret? An all-new ongoing series by Eisner Award-winning Ian Boothby, uh, Simpsons Mad Magazine, with art by Giselle Laglace. Uh, she did Menage Three and Archie. So, yeah. This looks quite interesting. It's got kind of that, like, um, witchcrafty spooky thing going on for it, I think. Cool. Which is why I picked it, um, and it sounds it sounds quite interesting that these guys, the, these two girls, are like um, 
like uh, exorcists slash like they deal with the supernatural from the sounds of it and it just looks really cool so yeah that is exorcisters um ray have we got anything for you yeah um i've only got a few and i think i've only got one number one on this list so uh for october 10th like you said this is when the the podcast comes out we've got crowded number three we've talked mm-hmm. about that in the past we talked about issue number one um and then there's she could fly number four this will be the final chapter in this four-part series um with artwork by martin morazzo who we all love from uh, ice cream man yeah um writing by christopher cantwell and then number four of the life of captain marvel i believe this is the end of this run i could be wrong on that um so that's coming out on october 17th so the life of captain marvel number four and again there's a really nice jen bartell variant cover where we see captain marvel floating above a like a a gorgeous orange uh orange and pink and purple sunset covered lake and it's just really nice artwork and then the number one i mentioned is shuri as in shuri of black panther yeah Um, and the cover that caught my eye was the scotty young variant cover which in his usual style, which is kind of like a, a pseudo Charlie Brown-ish sort of thing, it's got this really nice painted um, orange and yellow background and Shuri like uh, dissolving into crows as she walks along this this backdrop in this very Scotty Young slash Charlie Brown style, which is really cool. Um, I have no idea what the, the, the concept of the book is. I don't know if it's going to go into her being... Uh, being the Black Panther, I think it might be connected to the movie, in fact. I think it's that specific version of Shuri. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see where that goes. That's on October 17th as well. Yeah. Um, that was one that I actually... Um, that's on my pull list as well. I just neglected to mention it. But yeah, Shuri number one. Yeah, I just um, Honestly, I just want it for that cover. It's yeah. really cool. The other one I was going to bring up at the end, like a revised version of it, was... Um, what if ghost rider i talked about what if earlier in this uh this is like the what <laughs> if ghost rider um the reason i bring this up is because uh it's got sebastian gurner writing it right um and uh you've only heard whispers of this real world marvel universe crossover until now when moral decline and budgetary shortfalls have combined to lower our lawyer's resistance sebastian gurner shirtless bear fighter and scales and scoundrels and casper wingard uh angelic limbo dr afra annual number two recklessly bring you the tale of the first and only true nordic black metal band to visit the marvel universe through the insanity of likeness release waivers (laughs) what (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) what role does ghost rider robbie reyes play and will your mind survive the brutality probably not (laughs) (laughs) so yeah Hmm. ghost rider what if Oh, uh, one thing I forgot to mention on October 17th is the, let me see if I can find it again. Uh, Oh yeah, Met Cadet U, volume number two, trade paperback. Yeah. So that's something I'll definitely be picking up because I've got all the individual issues, but I haven't read them. So it'd be nice to read them as a trade. Yeah. So um, that rounds off the pull list and that closes Mm. us out for Race Comicals episode number 45. So you can find us on... Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Castro. Uh, you can find us on Twitter under Ace Comicals. So at Ace Comicals, you can find me on Twitter at Bato. You can find us on Facebook at Ace Comicals. You can find us on Instagram at Ace Comicals. Um, you can ask us questions via um, 
direct message on Twitter or you can direct message me on Twitter at Bato and you can ask your questions that way or get involved with the conversation. Um, tell us what you think about the comics that we've been talking about. Um, you can send us emails to acecomicals at gmail.com and uh, if you want to send us questions for the show, you can do it that way and we will answer them. Um, Ray, where can we find you? On Twitter, at Monke, M-O-O-N-K-E-H. Yeah, and uh, all of this is, uh, like, the hub for kind of everything is www.acecomicals.com, which is our website. Uh, That's where you can find all of our podcasts there as well. Um, Also, if you are so inclined, you can donate using our coffee page, um, which is... Uh, basically you can donate the price of a coffee and all funds go to keeping the podcast up and running and hosted and alive goes to keeping the lights on so there we go that has been ace comicals episode number 35 uh, 45 even sorry (laughs) ace comicals over and out